Culture comms and cocktails is internal comms served straight up. So settle in, drink in the knowledge, some shaken, some stirred, and maybe even some with a twist, and enjoy the top shelf guests I have lined up for you. I'm your host, Chuck Ghost, strategic advisor at Social Chorus. And on this episode of Culture Comms and Cocktails, we have Melissa Murray, Director of Internal Communications and Community Relations at Canadian Pacific Railway, or CP, as the locals call it. Melissa, welcome to Culture Comms and Cocktails. Thanks for choo-choo choosing me to chat with today, Chuck. Wow, well done, Melissa. So grab a seat here at the Culture Comms and Cocktails Lounge, and let's get started. I'm completely off track. Thank you. But hey, zing right there. You, there you it, All right. So as I learned, I got to be your advisor on this project, Melissa, and CP has been around for a long time. So talk about how long and how big, but also what have been some of your communication challenges with employees there? Uh, yeah, so CP, Canadian Pacific Railway, it is an iconic Canadian company. Uh, anyone in grade school in Canada will learn about Canadian Pacific Railway in school because it is credited with physically connecting the country from coast to coast. So it's one of the oldest Canadian companies. It was founded in 1881. Uh, for context, Canada only became a country in 1867, so CP is nearly as old as the country itself. Today we have a network of 12,500 miles, so CP is a class one freight railway. Um, our network is in Canada and the U.S., and our employees work in big cities and small towns across the Canadian prairies, the U.S. Midwest, as well as port locations on the west and east coasts of North America. And the CP family, we refer to ourselves as the CP family, is uh, around 13,000 people strong, predominantly male. We're quite evenly distributed across all age groups, so ranging from 18 years old all the way to 65 years plus. And of the 13,000 employees, about 80% or more work in train operations. So things like train conductors and engineers, track and equipment maintenance group, signals and communications employees. It's a really diverse group. Um, and they are charged with running the trains or fixing the trains or laying tracks, all of the important things that you need to move freight. Our biggest communication challenges, of course, is that with the predominance of these employees being away from uh, a desk, deskless employees, um, they, the touch points with them are, are limited. So when they come to work, they are there to do their job. They may log into a system um, and they might check the internet, but they may not. Because a lot of their jobs are pretty safety sensitive, they can't have a mobile device or any sort of electronic with them so they're not checking email every day or you know in their eight to ten hour role they're not checking any sort of electronic and they don't have a corporate issued device either so they don't have a laptop or a mobile phone from the company so there really are quite limited touch points with them and, and traditionally these touch points have all been fairly uh, manual like posters and bulletins and things like that so that is where our that is where our journey begins. Now, I know that, again, from visiting with you and the team there, you are Canadian Pacific Railway, but you do have employees both in Canada and the U.S. Has that presented any challenges over the years? Um, sure. I mean, I don't know if it's, if it's challenges 
culturally, I think Canadians and Americans are are a little bit different, but I think the I think railroading is the same, and it's becoming more and more the same across North America. So certainly, the day to day operations of of operating a railroad um, is is absolutely the same across North America. So there's not really a challenge there with how the the train trains operate. Um, from a communications perspective, I mean, there's it, it's things that you wouldn't normally think of right away, but because we are headquartered in Canada, in the past we traditionally would celebrate Canadian holidays and maybe put a little bit more fanfare behind them. So the 1st of July is actually a really big holiday in Canada, Canada Day, and we would tend to downplay the 4th of July, which I hear is actually a pretty big deal because <laughs> of our borders. Um, and, and, you know, those types of things where uh, diversity is actually one of the values at Canadian Pacific. So we've really been trying to get more open-minded and make sure that when we are creating anything, any brand new program or system or policy or communication at the company, that we are talking to people all across our network so that you're getting all of those different perspectives um, and you're not missing anyone and, and, and those kinds of things. So yeah, yeah, I mean, there are some challenges, but we work through them and it only makes us better. And you guys launched the new CP Exchange platform in Q4 of 2018 as a pilot. It's now fully available to all employees. But what did you learn about running that pilot before the full launch? And what advice do you have to anyone else who's thinking about running that pilot or starting off at that small group before making it available to everyone at the company? I, I like this question because it had it made me take a look back at where we were and it's been almost almost a year which I which I actually can't believe it it um, it feels like we've had this app for so long now which is a really wonderful way to feel about it but I think looking back we had wanted this pilot program um, because we were nervous about this change and I think that's just natural and we had assumed that we'd be coaching a whole bunch of our user group to learn how to use um, an, a, you know, an online tool for communicating. But truthfully, I think what the pilot helped us do was the people who were in charge of publishing the content, and whether that was you know, our communications team or other, other content users that we had identified um, in the organization, it just allowed us to become more comfortable with the publishing side and then really make this a habit in our day-to-day -day role so that when we did eventually roll out um, to the broad-based CP family, it was already something that we were doing. So I, I'm really happy that we had the support to do that pilot and to grow that comfort with how we were building content. I think it's made us, um, we were just so much, we were just really ready to go when we did that, that broad-based launch and we were excited for it and we weren't nervous about um, the content side of things. So that really, that, that really did help us. I think my advice to anybody looking to run a pilot would just be to do it transparently. Um, we found real success by when we launched to our small group, our, our, our um, pilot users, we were pretty upfront with them that this is what we're doing, this is new to us, it's new to you, and we really want your feedback, and we might make mistakes, so bear with us as we sort of uh, iron out all of, all of the different kinks here. And they were 
they were so great. But we also, in the pilot, um, we invited all of the members of our executive committee. So a lot of our vice presidents and senior members were in that pilot group. And we were upfront with them as well that this was just, you know, we're working through this new thing, we're excited about it, but we're not totally ready to go forward yet, but we really want your feedback too. And I think by bringing on those senior leaders so early and making them part of that, um, the, the foundation of our uh, CP Exchange app, they, it, you know, it just was, it's like a top-down approach, which is really important because we had their buy-in from the get-go and then they were also very well versed in the app when we started to communicate it broadly to the organization. So that would be, I would, I would, uh, you know, advise anyone if they are going to take the time and, and make the room and, and be given the room for a pilot program to be transparent and, and maybe invite some people who you normally would shy away from when you're making some mistakes. You mentioned something very interesting. You talked about how the, during that pilot period, the impact or you got to discover the impact it would have to your day-to-day role and day-to-day activities. So how, since it's been about a year since you've started using the platform, how have you seen your day-to-day activity change with the CP exchange or has it changed much at all? Uh, You know, just today I was on the phone with our vice president of human resources and we were just talking about a, uh, an announcement that's going to be going out soon, and he said, "Okay, when it's ready, we'll get it up on we'll get it up on the internet and on CP Exchange." And it's my my heart was just singing because it for them it's also become naturalized. It's just another communication channel that we use, and people are aware of that. Um, and it did take a little bit of time. I mean, the the program itself is built so. It's, it's so user-friendly and it's built beautifully that it's not difficult to use itself. Uh, in fact, it's quite intuitive. So I prefer using the social course tool versus our own intranet tool. Um, but it's just, again, it's just one of those additional channels. So it was never meant to replace anything that we did. It was just simply meant to complement what we already were doing as another way to share information with our employees. And it's doing exactly that. We're really happy with it. During the time I got to be there with your team in Calgary last summer, I know that measurement has been a challenge uh, for CP, at least related to internal communication. But now with Exchange, you you can now measure uh, the success of this impact for the first time. What does that mean to you as a communicator and what does that mean to the business that now you guys have data to help tell the story? I think for any communicator it's just so valuable to see how things are performing and you just then can say this worked so let's continue to do this and this we thought would work but didn't so let's not. If things aren't resonating with your audience and it's not engaging for the people that you're trying to get to, then why waste your time? I mean, everybody is busy day to day. And we say around here, you know, work smarter, not harder, because we have, you know, we're a fairly lean team and we have a lot of things on the go, but whatever we're doing, we really want to see um, that return on our time investment. So the measurement that you can get out of um, the social course on the back end is 
again, like I said, really, really user-friendly. So you can just click on that content card and everything you could possibly want to know about, um, about your ROI is right there in front of you. And, and it's also nice to be able to validate with other people outside of the communications realm why you would make a recommendation and why you wouldn't and then to have those proof points so to say hey a four and a half minute video traditionally it just hasn't been performing really well and here are the numbers but if you did a 45 second video it's going to probably you know improve by x percent and we can show you we can show you that those those proof points so um, it just makes us like i said work uh, smarter, not harder, and it and also um, it's just been really wonderful to have that information so quickly available to us. Even and you know, it's even something as simple as the 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 hearts button to, to like a story that really does tell you a lot about how engaging that was. Or if if someone read it and and they thought you know I like this enough that I'm going to click the heart. Um, we. Just the other day I was out, um, we do something called a safety walkabout across our network. So um, you go out into the system and then you get to see people doing their job and then you talk to them about safety. It's a really important part of Canadian Pacific and our culture. And uh, I had asked this one fellow if I could just do a quick video of him and put it on the app. And he said, oh, what's the app? So, you know, great opportunity to explain it to him. And he is purely a union employee. Um, he comes to work and then he's out on track all day long. And then he, you know, he even works at night. So he's not with his, uh, anyway, the story that I had been asking him was, can I video you and your response to why safety is so important to you? So he, he said yes, which was wonderful. So I, you know, held up my iPhone and took a really quick clip of him and, he genuinely expresses that safety is important to him because he has night shifts and he's working at night. And the reason he wants to be safe and, and you know wants his colleagues to be safe is because he has a family at home sleeping and he would hate for them to wake up in the morning and for him to not be there. And I got to capture that on, on video and then post it to the app. And it, it just had wonderful engagement and so many likes. But what I really was really, really proud to see is this this gentleman, his name was Jerry, and we just called it Jerry's Reasons. That was his video. Um, I checked on who actually did like the post, and he, he was in there. He was one of the people to like his own video. So that meant that he went home after a conversation and made the effort to go to the app store, download this app. You know, we have two-factor authentication. That wasn't, uh, that wasn't any... Um, it, it wasn't a barrier for him. Well, I, I was, as you were told that story and him talking about working at night and his family sleeping and then coming home the next morning, it almost gave me chills. That, that, that Talk about personalizing a safety story and that becoming a culture. You know, kudos to you for, for capturing that. Yeah, and we were out there. Thank you. Uh, we, I was out there with, um, with some operating folks and, you know, they probably wouldn't think to do that initially because it hasn't, really been part of our culture um, taking video and putting it on our app um, there are we, we do have to take certain safety precautions but i'm just glad for them to see me do that and then to further see the engagement everyone that was with us that day um, you know was on the app and they saw this video and they can see the impact and 
the app has helped us do things like that more in the moment, uh, genuine communication to our employees. Because while that story would be great on paper, it really is phenomenal once you hear it and, and see it from the person who said it. Now, another great story is that, and this is something I learned about your organization, that every year you guys operate this thing called the Holiday Train. That's this huge community event or series of events, I guess, that runs across Canada and the U.S. And it's one of the cooler company activities, I think, that, that I've heard of, given its scope and reach and impact. And I know you got to ride the train in part of the U.S. this year. So what, what does Holiday Train mean to employees there maybe explain a little bit to those that aren't familiar with holiday train and what was it like for you to ride that train so the holiday train is we are entering our 21st year in 2019 the holiday train is um gosh how do i even summarize this such a wonderful program and we're so proud of it at the company um it started in 1999 is just an opportunity to give back to the communities where we operate so it has never gotten away from that that is the intent of the holiday train is to um, to give back so we will travel through 160 or more communities between the end of november and through december the trains are decorated there's two trains they both originate in montreal and one will travel west across canada and the other will travel uh, sort of southwest through our network in the United States and then back up into Canada. Both trains are decorated with hundreds of thousands of LED lights. Um, so it's really fantastic to see at night. And in every community where we stop, we put on a free concert. So there's a train car that's retrofitted with a stage that pops down. We've got some smoke and light effects. And we actually usually have some, you know, pretty well-known um, music acts. They'll put on a concert and then CP will make a donation to the local food bank or food shelf. And then anyone who comes to these events, we ask them to bring a food or cash donation to just, you know, keep in their community. That time of year, people uh, really are struggling to make ends meet sometimes. So that's the intent of the program. I have had the pure pleasure of riding on the holiday train. So we allow... Um, we let our employees travel from stop to stop. Uh, it's, it's a way for us to give back to our employees too. These are some of the hardest working men and women that you'd ever meet. And they don't have those opportunities day to day to really, you know, be treated. There's just so many people across our network and there is, it's just a giant, you know, geographically dispersed. So it's really nice to get out there with something like this. Um, employees can get tickets to ride the train, the free tickets with their, their families. And we'll take them from one stop to the next stop and they get to listen to holiday music and we, you know, give them some small giveaways and we treat them with cookies and hot chocolate. Like it's just a really nice experience for everyone. This past, but this past winter that you're referring to, we had gone all the way down to Kansas City, which is sort of our most southern point in, in the United States. And we hadn't done that before. Um, in the 21 years that we've been doing this, we just hadn't really gone there. There's reasons for that. Kansas City wasn't always part of our network, but what have you, our first chance to go down there. And um, we took pictures. This was during our, our pilot of, of our app. 
and we were taking some pictures of our employees on the train in those southernmost points and posting them to the app. And what it really helped do was remind people about the scope of our CP family and that, you know, you might be living in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, doing running a train, but there's someone who's living in, you know, Davenport, Iowa or Kansas City, um, and they are doing the same work as you and you all care about the same things. And at this time of year, too, it was just a nice way to um, just connect our, our employees in, an, in a fun way with photos and comments. And I'm really looking forward to now that we've fully launched the app, I'm really looking forward to this year and, and seeing the engagement. I, I will be really surprised if it's not um, if it doesn't sort of help us grow our user base. And I think it's going to be really fun. I think you guys will be amazed to see, you know, as, as it matures in the organization, as it, as it, is it not as intentional, but people just default to it because it is a channel to go to. It will be interesting to see this year's holiday train, what type of content gets curated up through there from employees that you guys maybe not wouldn't have heard of otherwise. Um, right. which, I, which I think will be amazing. So you've given us some great insight into the culture there, whether it be the holiday train or that amazing safety video and safety story you shared. We've talked about the comms activities at CP and how you guys continue to grow there despite having that lean team. So culture comms, the rest of the podcast is about cocktails. So Melissa, uh, what is your favorite cocktail? I mean, this is a tough question. This is the hardest question on here, Chad. <laughs> it really is. Like narrowing it down. You mean my favorite cocktail today or always? Okay. So um, have you ever had a Caesar? Okay. So no, I have not. Not right. a true so Canadian Caesar. No, I have not. Right. Similar to a Bloody Mary, but very much Canadian, made with Clamato juice in place of the tomato juice. And we refer to it as like a meal in a glass because it's thick and salty and, you know, some people call it a hangover cure. It's perfect for patio season. But the reason that I am going to name it my favorite today is the Caesar was created. Its origin is right here in CP's headquarter town of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. That's where the Caesar originated. Now, I know that people who are, who are fans of Caesars are big fans of Caesars, but I did not know that it was born in Calgary. It was born in Calgary. And I mean, if you, if just a word of caution, like if you're not going to garnish your Caesar with a pickled green bean, you just shouldn't bother. Well, there you go. That's the ultimate tip then. I, I didn't know that as well. Right. Well, Melissa, thank you again for being on Culture Come to Cocktails. Keep up the great work with CP Exchange and look forward to hearing more great stories from you. Thanks, Chuck. If you enjoyed what you heard from this episode and want to check out others, find Culture Comes and Cocktails on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And when you do, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. This has been Culture Comes and Cocktails, internal comms served straight up. Thanks for listening.